0: hello and welcome to the anglo-italian pod it is monday night and as always i am rory and i'm joined by my very good friends adam and andy how are we doing boys good footballing weekend good weekend we're going to start with you adam what have you been up to this weekend uh, not a lot <laughs> it has to be said. I've been catching no. up on the football
1: because, uh, unfortunately, Wickham Wanderers again for some strange reason didn't have a fixture, but uh, did take in a lot of Serie A this weekend and Yod FA Cup match, which I'm sure we're going to relive. But it was a good weekend of catching up with lost friends. So uh, a few friends that I hadn't so- sort of spoken for for a long time. I think we counted about four years now since we last spoke. Wow! So nice. it was good to catch up you know do those
0: things you know have a just chilled out time so it was really good how about your weekend Rory um yeah it was on Saturday I actually walked around Milan for once again and kind of fell in love with the city again without sounding too romantic every so often I walk around Milan and I'm like oh god damn it I love this city it was just really beautiful really sunny walked through the park walked through the center went to Chinatown really beautiful just a nice Milan day so I really enjoyed that and then Sunday did absolutely F all, except <laughs> flip between the channels, between all the separate games and go Serie A, FA Cup, Serie A, nice. FA Cup, and then finished in Serie A, of course. But Andy, how was your weekend? I, I understand you're feeling a bit ropey. Yes, it was. um <laughs> a bit a little
2: bit too old for it. But yeah, I played a couple of football matches, which was good fun. Um, nice. I, I, one game scored a screamer, which I was very, very happy with. And the other one, I tried to do like a Ronaldo chop, fell onto the ball and looked like an idiot. So that went well. <laughs> and then, um, between sort of like roughly the afternoon period of Saturday and four o'clock the following morning, there were one or two alcoholic beverages consumed. Um, and yeah, that. That happened. someday. it's fair to say, it was a write-off. <laughs> and, <laughs> nice, and, yeah. Um, yeah, even, even getting up this morning for work wasn't uh, particularly entertaining, it's fair to say. But um, I'm here, I've got through it, I'm through the worst of it, so I think we're all good to crack on.
0: Good. Well, that's it, it's perfect. And just, sorry, my phone's just gone off. I was looking down, I wasn't being rude. I've just found out that Lazovic, who's against me in Fanta Calcio, scored a goal. But Ooh. now, Bacow... Who's my defender? It's gone down as his own goal, so it's actually <laughs> cost me the game. That own goal, it looks like absolutely fuming, but that is still one all as we speak. Um, Udinese taking on Verona. It is one all at half time. Nice, but we are ready to talk about some Serie A action. Well, coming up in this show, we've got Serie A. We've got Napoli against Roma with Ossument hitting new levels of incredible. Mm. Um, Sassuolo, Milan at new levels of incredibly bad. Uh, um, We've got Monza becoming the first team who are promoted to do the double over Juventus in a Serie A season. Incredible stuff. Then, of course, in the FA Cup, we've got Wrexham coming so, so close. Brighton and the referee in debacle down at the Amex. And we'll do a little bit of Manchester City-Arsenal and give Andy a bit of time to talk about Casemiro. But we will see you after this break.
1: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business.
0: Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I
1: didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so
0: many more doors. The
1: show is called The The Deal.
0: Deal.
1: Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
0: Nice. It is Serie A time. And there's only one place to start, really, before we get into the depression for the Milan fans. I think we best start with the game. They made us wait for it. They always do. Napoli 2, Roma 1. I'm trying to find the banner that I made, but oh, Cholito (laughs) at the death. There we go. Napoli 2, Roma 1. And the depth in Napoli's squad really makes the difference here. Adam, what were your Mm. first impressions of this game? I want to say Roma were very, very good. Yeah, we spoke about it on
1: Thursday that it could be a contrast in stars, but it's far from it. It was actually quite an open game, and I felt I was more surprised by the approach that Roma took because I thought they would be more direct with their play, um, but certainly they took it to a new level. They put Zalewski on the right-hand side to almost counteract Scalia, but also kind of attack that left-hand side because obviously Mario Rui. With his pace is not going to be as agile to get back and forth and so it was interesting to see that kind of tactic deployed i think there's a few times where the likes of abraham was getting frustrated with his style of running as well because there was times where he could have released him earlier or you know crossed it through but roma were very well worth potentially getting a point out of this match because up until the second half you could Arguably, say Roma should have had a point by the end of it, but unfortunately, uh, it was just as you say. It's the quality of the bench. Giovanni Simeone, who hasn't been able to play as many games as he probably would have liked to, gets the goal ends in some spectacular fashion as well because it was that Zelinski kind of play that almost. Buys smalling that kind of little bit of a dummy. Um, and it was just that turn from Simeone that no one expected. Mm-hmm. Passed the goalkeeper, Rui Patricio, and that's it. It was game over. I mean, there was that one last attack very much at the death where potentially I was feeling, Oh, here we go. Roma going to score from this set play. But Napoli, to the fa- for credit, even, um, they kept it level and they made sure that they won the match. So, um, Fair play. And, you know, that performance for me just makes me believe more so that Napoli are going to get this title. They're going to get this. Title better.
0: It, it's starting to feel inevitable. I want to talk about Roma first a little bit. And I think what we didn't expect and what I was really surprised by, like you said, was the style that Mourinho went with. From the first 10 minutes, I've not seen Napoli look that uncomfortable in a game. I think mm. Roma really had them right up against the wall. Like, could not get out of their own half. Just constant pressing. And it just made me think back to that Roma-Milan game when we were talking about the fact that Roma yeah. didn't press for the first 80 minutes. I was like, where the hell was this? Um, I thought Roma were incredible. I think, like you said, they were yeah, they were able to just outrun Napoli almost. And I thought, after Roma not making the most of that first 10 minutes, I was like, okay, Napoli have got through this now. I think they're like,
2: they've yeah. survived
0: the worst of it. Obviously, they went on to go 1-0. And Andy, I'm going to kind of mm. jump to you, but... Osamend awesome, man, manages to make chances. No matter what, how high the ball is or where it's coming, as long as it's roughly in his vicinity, he's able to get a first touch and bring it down. Like, how impressed have you been with him? That goal is honestly one of the best goals I've ever seen. It, oh, it's a, Van, Bast-
2: Van Basten kind of esque. That one. I mean, it's of that's of that kind of quality. Uh, it really is. Um, and I think I said on the pod last week, he has that habit of pulling away at the far post, and he did it again. Um, he see, and the sign of all great strikers being able to create, a, you know, a, a half a yard of space, mm-hmm. um, and he, he created space that wasn't there. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> really, yeah. the, the way he took it down, took another touch to take it away from the defender and hammer it first time um, is, like I said, it's. I think it's a, that's a world class striker. Mm-hmm. you know, getting towards the peak of his game. And I think what the scary thing is, I think he can get even better. Well he's still um, young. He's still, he's still very young. Yeah, he's still very, very young. And I think, um, again, he carries on like that. would be horrible news for Napoli fans, but he'll be commanding one hell of a fee come the summer because I think somebody out there will pay it, most certainly. Um, but yeah, and I think going to the game as well, I think we've spoken again previously about Compared to previously, the depth of that Napoli have got on the bench to be able to come in and change something. You mm-hmm. know, Simeone hasn't played much recently, yeah. but it feels like they've got such a team spirit that even the lads that aren't playing so much or dipping in and out of games, you know, like you know, the likes of uh, Simeone could come on, put hundred percent into it. And granted, I think defending from Robert at that specific point perhaps wasn't great. I think mm-hmm. Chris Smalling was. Um, had a bit of a slow reaction time there, to put it politely. He's had better (laughs) moments. Yeah, Yeah, it was not his finest moments. I think he was out of position in the first place and then didn't really go to close him down as much as he should have done. But it was a great finish. Um, I think Mourinho obviously changed his approach. I think it was uh, very much, uh, he went with, okay, they've obviously got much, much better on the technical level. I think Mm -hmm. that's very, very clear to see. So I think he went, you know what, let's try and match them physically and hassle them. Uh, and to be fair it really worked I think that mix up with Murray and Kim you know in the mm, first yeah. half with mm. that that nine times out of ten you do that it probably results in a goal and you could tell by the, the players' faces
0: they were very 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 relieved Um mm. Uh, so that, think, that yeah. again is one of those moments where you feel like it's going for Napoli, if you know. What I mean, yeah, there's nobody with would it, would it. Yeah, nobody it goes would. the wrong side of the post. And I think actually you made a good point. You brought some. I think Kim actually has been outstanding this season, but I think he had one of his dodgier nights. I feel like mm-hmm. he had a few moments. I think in the build up to there was a Roma attack as well where he gave the ball away. And there was a few moments where I thought he just wasn't quite it is usual best. And I think there was a bit of like Roma were able to disturb that back line that have not conceded. Well, the best back line in the in A so far, they have not conceded many goals. I think Roma did a really good job of, um, of disturbing them. And I think we, we've talked about the depth. And one of the points is now, obviously Abraham came off with an injury and I hope it's not a hamstring. It kind of looked like it might've been his hamstring. He kind of pulled up a little bit when he came off, they were able to bring on Bellotti who, didn't really do much, whereas Napoli bring off Osimen and bring on Raspadori and Simeone, yeah. and that's the difference, right? A lot has been launched...
2: disappointing, hasn't he? Like yeah. he's not really done much all season. I think, mm-hmm. I think I remember we were talking about when he signed. Like we, especially we take his his previous record, you'd think that as at least a guaranteed double figures yeah. kind of player, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it hasn't. In fairness, out in his defence,
1: like he's only been like a sub in fairness, and it's been like the odd part, like 15, 5, 10 minutes. So it's not been enough time for him to make an impact, but you are correct. You would expect a little bit more from him.
0: I think like off the bench, you would be expecting him to do more definitely, but he does need to play those minutes. He played Mm. every minute for Torino. He was never on the bench. Like he was first name on the team sheet, getting all those minutes. So I think he'll be disappointed with how this season has gone as well. But I did, I think that was kind of what stood out to me. And when Raspadori and Simeone came on, they just caused Roma all sorts of problems late in the game, just absolutely running at him. I think Raspadori could have had one as well. He had a few chances. Um, He could have done better with the free kick as well, I think, that he had. Um, But for Roma, they just didn't have that off the bench. You could see them tiring. You could see them kind of just dropping deeper and deeper. But I did want to say El Shirawi having a little bit of a, like, Renaissance and and the Mourinho, on the Mourinho, yeah. he's like, uh, Serie yeah, A kind of just stalwart El Chirar and has done really well everywhere he's been. He's always just got goals. He's always just kind of fairly reliable, if not a little bit uh, inconsistent. But I think mm. uh, he seems to be having a real kind of a bit of a Indian summer at Rome, and it yeah. was nice to see him get the goal. The ball in from Zalewski, Adam, as well, was an absolutely banging cross. That was an incredible it was, cross. It was incredible. Um, in at the far post to smash it in. But then at the end, Trolito was there with a beautiful finish. He only scores bangers. He only scores <laughs> bangers. Um, And I did like, there was a lot of mind games before this game. And after this game, there's been a lot of mind games. Mourinho congratulating Napoli on already winning yeah. the Scudetto. Um, him saying that he wanted to sign Kim when he was at Tottenham. <laughs> and you could, honestly, the second Kim started having a dodgy game, I was like, oh, Mourinho knows exactly what he's doing. <laughs> um and then afterwards, I'm not sure if you've seen the photo, but Mourinho forcing the Roma players oh, to take a photo. Yes, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I don't know what kind of man management that is, but I absolutely love it. All their faces are, as you can imagine, absolutely fuming. Just lost a game in the 84th minute or whatever it is. <laughs> You're not going to be ready for a photo. But an incredible game. I think Roma, if they could take those performances against other teams they can genuinely push for like second this year because it's so wide open. They just need to take that level to other teams for Napoli. As long as they stay calm, as long yeah. as they stay sensible, they really have got this. But I think the fact, and this is my last point on it—I'll see so what you think the, the fact that, because at one, one I turned around to the misses and was like, okay, Napoli, just fucking see the game out now. Just wait one, mm. all you don't need to win it. Just don't lose it. Just, sit back, but they didn't. They absolutely went for it. um And Adam, I'll go for you. Do you think that is what's going to make sure that they get there? They are still absolutely pushing for this.
1: I think they're well drilled. If you look at how they were pretty much in that final third for majority of, especially the first half, I mean, you could argue that for the first 10 to 15 minutes, it was all Roma. And then for the majority of the rest of that match, I could only see Zalinski, Lobotka, all crammed in to the final third. For me, mm-hmm. that kind of just shows you the intensity that they've got and they're well drilled by Spalletti. And you still saw it for that last five to 10 minutes of that match. That's what Napoli were doing. They were just so good with the one-touch movement, the pivots they were doing, Zielinski kind of dropping the shoulder for that very move. I mean, mm-hmm. that that's kind of tells you its own story. Spalletti's not going to, let's say, be practical. He's going to go with fire and just show off that they can win in style. As he alluded to uh, against Ju- Juventus, they have a certain way of winning like games. And yeah, it wouldn't be Napoli if they went pragmatic and down the line or just <laughs> yeah. doing a hoofball yeah. to the front man. That's not their style, is it really?
0: No, not at all. And uh, um Andy, at this point, it does feel Napoli have just got to stay calm, right? Just keep doing what they're doing. Keep doing what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. They, I think 30-point leads,
2: um, it's difficult to see them losing four games and other teams going on a seven, eight, game-winning run. I think the um, Guardian uh, roundup subbed it up perfectly. Obviously, Juve had a bit of a meltdown as a result of that 50-point deduction. Mm-hmm. We'll obviously, we'll come on to the shit show that is AC we'll get Milan that. at the yeah. moment. <laughs> yes. uh, it's starting soon to be coming. Uh, Inter Milan haven't quite got enough in the tank. Mm-hmm. Um, to be able to pull that off, and I think with you know, off the pitch distractions, I think are harming them as much as everything else at the moment. So, there's no one really capable at the moment of sticking together seven, eight, nine wins. I think obviously, had Juve did that before, everybody resigned <laughs> 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 and they got a 15 point deduction. But I think because of what's going on on that sort of things, I don't think they'll do that at the moment. So, I think it really is, it, um if like nothing have to win it this season there's no if maybe they'll win it they have to (laughs) i am very at that
0: stage i am very very close to looking at the price of trains for to down to naples now i'm starting to think okay (laughs) right let's try and look at some hostels before they all get booked up let's kind of try and think about it but we will cross everything As we're here, my girlfriend's knocking on wood to make sure that it happens because she's afraid I'm going to jinx it. But hopefully we will be down there come the end of the season. But we're going to leave Napoli-Roma there for a bit, and we're going to go to the teams that are in a bit of strife, the teams that aren't having so much fun. And we're going to start with – I think it's the slightly bigger story. So let's start with Monza take the bang bus home as Bellasconi (laughs) undoubtedly delivers on his promise. They've beaten one of the big boys away. 2-0, 2-0, the first team to be promoted into Serie A to do the double over Juventus. Incredible. And Juve were nowhere near it. It was just an, like levels to this game. And there was one moment that kind of stood out to me. One of the players who absolutely ran the midfield, Ravella, right, ran rings around Rabio and Paredes. He was given away by Juventus because he wasn't good enough, (laughs) right? So not only are they seeing everything fall around them, they are watching their transfer plans buckle in front of them as well. Um, Adam, I'll go to you first. What did you make of this game and how much did you enjoy it?
1: I enjoyed it because it was a continuation of what we've seen from the previous weekend, uh, especially with Juventus. The style and, you know, I suppose there's... A few contentious offside decisions because um, this weekend in particular, Karari Car- was only like a little bit offside. Um, so initially he could have given Monza lead, um, but even once they were two up, there was like last ten minutes, Chesney has to make a big save <laughs> at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and that shows you how bad the events were. Um, there's a bit of worry about Milik as well, because yeah. I think it was seven minutes before end of match, he had to come off. They'd already made a substitution, so they were down to 10 men as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a superb performance by Monza. In particular, I just want to call out Carlos Augusto, Gusta even, for that run that let Danny Motta And the composure on that guy, I I did rate him from the first match that Monza played this season and he just ran it past Chesney and still with like two defenders still to like try and slot the ball past. He does it in style. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, Monza look a completely different side to the sides that obviously at the beginning of this season were just losing games like under Stropa, they just mm-hmm. really were struggling and I was yeah. looking at the record so Palladino now in 14 games won eight of them drawn free and lost free and that includes Coppa Italia matches so that's a hell of a record um mm. when you consider they did lose to Juventus in the Coppa Italia so a bit of revenge potentially here served well um I love the picture from the Monza social media team where they've got the bus parks above the sign with Juventus claiming (laughs) to have won the title 38 times still. Brilliant, absolutely love that.
0: That shit that <laughs> It is it is quality. You could see how much the fans absolutely were loving it. Not only is the Allianz Arena or whatever it's called now, absolutely mm. dead. There's no fucker there. Or you could see was the Monza fans going absolutely mental. You could see how much it means to them. And we were you're right, we were making jokes at the beginning of the season like, oh, how many of these loans are actually going to turn into buys when they when they get relegated and, and sold off? But there's a lot of players now there where you're looking and you're going, actually, there's a bit of a squad there, Piscina was a player who was great at Atlanta, great in the Euros for Italy when he came off the bench, a player that really could find a home there. I still love Patania. I still think there's a place for him in Serie A. He definitely should have scored in this game, but I think he he plays his role. And I think they're just building a good squad there. And it's a, it's a team that will quickly become very attractive for other players as well, I think, if they start staying in Serie A, Belasconi will be working his magic and Galliani, and they will mm. be getting some big players quick if they can manage to stay up. And at the moment, it's looking good. But for Juve, Andy, um, <laughs> now I was saying that they showed a bit of fight against Atalanta and they were ready to prove people wrong and, you know, we're going to overcome this this um, this adversity. They're now only 10 points above the relegation zone. Do we think they could get drugged, dragged into it? I don't think they'll get dragged <laughs> into it. I think unfortunately uh there's a there's a few
2: far, far worse teams than Uve, even in their sort of current state at the moment. Um, you know, I'm looking at you, Verona. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cremonese, You know, I don't think Cremonese are ever going to win a game of football ever again. Um, yeah, so, possibly not. Yeah, they're definitely yeah, they definitely obviously not going down. I think that would be um that would take a collapse of epic proportions like you know, like Fiorentina in the nineties or something. But um nah. I think I think they'll be I think they'll finish sort of top half probably. We're not too far away from that. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think that's probably where they'll finish as to what happens going forward. That's that's a bit that's gonna be a worry for them. I think what you're seeing at the moment is maybe Mentally, a few players are a little bit worried about what's going to be happening during the summer because at the end of the day they are human. And although it's not really the players' fault that they're in the situation, when you're hearing all the rumors about further punishments, potential fire sales, the, you know the financial situation at UVA isn't great. There's going to be a few distracted players out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would make it a difference. I think, and going back to the on the pitch stuff as well, I think. Juve's somewhat strange transfer policy. Um it, it's proving a little bit difficult. So we've talked about Rivello, how he's fr- started to thrive in the Monza team. Whereas, you know, he's only uh going to be able to get performances out of the likes of Rabio and for so long. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. he's got a decent spell out of him. Uh, I mean, I suppose a positive for Juventus, if you could call it that, is poor Pogba is back on the bench. Mm-hmm. Um after and he's not played a single game. Um, yeah for Juventus since signing. Um and he's he's not really how to put it, he's not really the sort of player that tends to rush himself back, shall we say. <laughs>
0: uh- <laughs> <laughs> Not when things on the field aren't looking great. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, yeah.
2: it'll, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see what difference he'll make to that team, because my experience with, with Pogba Williams at Manchester United was that if the team was playing well in a really good moment, he is one hell of an asset to yeah, have. Yeah. And if you're, if you're playing front foot football, um, he's a massive addition to the team. I do wonder how it's going to be with the atmosphere as it is and the vibes being off. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, ideally, he could be someone that would, like, with the players like Fagioli and, like, these young players that they're trying to bring in in Miretti. that he can be a player that kind of brings them through. And I think despite what happened at United, a lot of the younger players at United do speak quite highly of Paul Pogba and be like, do say that he had a positive influence on them. Maybe they're going like, look, if you can try and just get these players first team ready and kind of coach them through games, I think he could be quite useful. But I think that Juve squad is so, I think, you're right. With Vlahovic has gone there for Champions League football. That's why he went there to win the Champions League. He, be won't, be stay, Champions he League. won't be there. He won't be there. No, he is gone summer. in the summer. He is gone in the summer. I think there's a lot of players. Paredes, even though he's only just joined, probably has got one foot out the door. Going, if you guys aren't in the Champions League, I'm off. I think you're seeing a lot of them kind of looking like that. And we kind of talked about it before the 0-6 when they got relegated. They had quite a lot of like characters who were loyal to Juventus. I know they've not been relegated, but even at this point, the players aren't even that loyal to stick around with them just not being in the Champions League. So I think we're going to see a big summer of change. And as you said, they need to recoup some of the financial loss that they're going to take because they were already up the fucking up shit creek financially. And now they're really going to be in trouble. Um, but I think Allegri as well is safe in the job because they can't afford to sack him. So it's just this <laughs> real big mess down at Juve, um, which is a shame, I suppose. And today, well, it looks like, well, no, he has. McKenny has left. Now, I think McKenny got a really hard time from the Juve fans. And we've kind of slagged him out a few times and been like, man, he has some awful performances. But I think he's also one of the players who shows a bit of fight and does show signs of like he scores more goals than you think. I don't know who's going to replace him. Like, do you think he'll be a big a big miss, Adam? I don't know who's going to come in and take his spot. Uh, yeah,
1: I've, I've I think he's one that's divided opinion. Definitely, I think he's one that probably isn't at the level that Juve fans are kind of keen to get in terms mm-hmm. of like. As a signing at the time, I think obviously came through with this reputation of being this wonder kid that came through at Schalke and um, not really living up to the bill in terms of after his injury. He had that kind of little bit of a breakthrough at the beginning, but they didn't know where to play him best, if you remember. It was behind the front two, then it was on the wings and then he got that injury. And I think... Ever since then, it's kind of like he's just been utilised where they can. Uh, You're right, he's obviously a player that gives a lot of determination, grit, and in certain circumstances, I think he has added a bit of quality during the course of this Mm -hmm. season, but probably they aspire to get someone else with better quality, I mean this is Juventus, they don't seem to care really too much about the players that they've got at their disposal right now. Mm. I think it's the right move for McKenny in terms of his career. I think that's a really good move, shrewd for him to experience a different league. And I think he'll add a lot of quality to Leeds. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think his time at Juventus was definitely up. If it wasn't in this window, certainly by the summer, he would have been sold off anyway. And I think for Juventus, it makes perfect financial sense. They need mm. to recoup some money. Ultimately, and I think in the other way, you could see maybe more of the younger players being given a shot now. And I think that's probably the philosophy that Juventus are going to have to take, especially as you allude to. Di Maria was only signed on the 12-month contract, if I remember rightly, yeah, so he'll yeah, be yeah. off in this window coming up this season. I think they're going to struggle to attract the talents that they've been used to as well. So I think it's going to be a few years of consolidation, um, maybe more extreme than what maybe Man United had to go through in that respect. I think they are seriously going to suffer over the next few years and, you know, Juventus fans are going to be bitter for even
0: longer. Yeah, it's not this noise isn't going anywhere, I don't think. Not until Napoli and Milan have been punished, then the conspiracy theories won't will not die until that happens. But we do I do have to very quickly say um, the midfield for the USA of McKenney Adams and Musa was very, mm. very good midfield. So I think Leeds have been very clever there and gone, OK, McKenney and Adams already play well together. I think that could be... And very, they've already got, they've very, already got Aronson
2: who plays in the attacking midfield. Yes. They, yeah. Yeah. they have well, got so. a, bit of a <laughs> Jesse, Just need Josie out Americans the now. invading. Yeah, they're going to deliver some freedom to the Premier League. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and hopefully freedom from relegation.
0: <laughs> We can hope, but we do need to move on elsewhere and talking about teams in a torrid time. Well, Tatarasanu again, the man never far away from the headlines when Milan are playing. Has a team missed a goalkeeper more ever than Milan oh, and God. missing Mike Magnan at the minute? Sassuolo make Milan look like a pub side on hanging out their arses like Andy at the <laughs> minute as they score five <laughs> more than they managed to score in their previous four games. No, eight games. it previous eight games Um, they, against, and I think most of it was in the first half. It was four, three, one by half halftime. Three, right? one four, by half time, yeah. Absolutely shocking stuff from Milan. I cannot tell you how but bad it was. It was always
2: were. going to be Sassuolo, so though, wasn't it? That would beat them because they've always... They've, well, they've, they've, Andy, they're, they're, they were the just...
0: leakiest defence
2: before <laughs> this game. But, <laughs> yeah. yes, they... It's just one of our bogey team for AC course, Milan. Though yeah, like, yeah, yeah. know, every pretty much every season they seem to get a result. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought Berardi was really impressive. Oh, oh, um, what a player? I mean, well. I've, yeah. I've, I've always been a big fan of Berardi. To be honest, like coming through his early days, as for and, he, you know fame for Italy. I think he's a a great um, player. Would love to have seen, you know, maybe at. A, a slightly higher level than described mm-hmm. with all respect to them.
0: Uh, but he was absolutely on fire. Um, he gave Teo an absolute nightmare <laughs> of a game. And I think there was a lot of like there was a lot going on here, right? I think there was this whole mental psychodrama being played out by the Milan players who had zero fuse. It was such a little like feisty, little niggly game where they were just proper getting at each other. The Saswallow players knew they could get into their heads. I'm honestly shocked nobody was sent off. But I think I just need to talk about, like, on Football Manager, one of the first things I do is buy a good goalkeeper. So like So <laughs> If you've got a good goalkeeper, you can forgive a shit defence if you've got a decent goalkeeper. Now, my God, they need Mike Magnan back. Like, I've not seen a team miss. This is exactly the same defence as last year, which was the best defence in mm-hmm. Serie A, minus Maignan. And look at what is happening. Sassuolo just walked through that team. It was, honestly, I was like laughing along as it happened. I thought, this cannot get any worse for Milan. And it continued to. Purely looked like he was having, like he did not know where to look, where to stand, what to do. He was just in shock on the line. Like, um, Adam, I'll go first to you again. Like, what did you make of this game? We'll talk about Sassuolo, I suppose, first, and then yeah, Milan. yeah, yeah. I'm just going
1: to steal James Horncastle analogy for this match. Milan's like defence couldn't have been more open than pigeons at Piazza di It <laughs> was that open. It was that incredible. Um Swallow were incredible as you said. Fratesi had his little beef with Teo. I don't know if it on Instagram as well. The oh. stories are there, the stories, the pictures, and just that picture of him looking down at Teo when he's on the floor, beautiful. But beautiful. yeah, Fratezi looks so mature now. Like, I think if you look back 18 months ago, even like six months, if we draw it back, he was rumored to be going to Roma, but they decided he wasn't quite ready then. Mm-hmm. He's definitely matured in terms of his performance, his driving runs, he created a lot. And as Andy alluded to, rightly, these are the kind of games you know you kind of wonder if he was in a better team and that's no disrespect to Sassuolo because they are incredible with the resources they've got but ultimately I mean Sassuolo are one of those mythical teams you know these teams that shouldn't by rights be challenging against the likes of Milan but they made them look so ordinary I mean just the way they play is just fantastic on the eye and they just dragged it out of Milan but in terms of Milan, we, we spoke about it on Thursday, they are shot of any confidence. And mm-hmm. the big things that I think rightly are being called out on is purely not giving certain players a chance now in this team. So Yasin Adli is a player that's been tipped for a long time, not even given like a few minutes in this game. You know, you see Calabria with hands up to the crowd, you know, saying he's sorry. But ultimately, it's just the whole team from front to back is just so porous when they don't have the ball. They just invite the pressure, and you know the Ketterlé is another player that we've spoken about. He hasn't really lit this up in terms of his breakout season so far at Milan. And they spent a lot. But of, they spent
2: a lot of money on him. They spent the as by majority of their money on by, him. Yeah, twenty-eight not, million on him. It's huge amounts. Like, you, if you're going to spend twenty-eight million pounds in Italy. And you're not Juve, you need to make it work. Yeah. And yeah. it's fair to say it hasn't as well. I think Gabbio, at centre back, is just not working either. No. Um, I, I think, you know, Simon Kier, all right, he's had his injury problems, but he might have been able to potentially carve that situation down and I saw someone on Twitter as well right you make a good point about Salamak is um, he's got like one like one I was I was sticking out for 30. him on
0: Thursday as well. and he's I told like, you he's absolutely shocking he's, 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 he's absolutely, absolutely shocking uh,
2: you've got Rafael Leal <laughs> who is probably their best player but he you know I think it's that like classic feels like his head's been turned
0: a little bit. Well, he didn't uh, even he didn't even start this game like all yeah, these selection no. was a bit mad. He drops Benacer and brings in Krunich, and then he doesn't he drops Leao and starts Rebic. and I saw a lot of like Milan fans going purely you need a win man <laughs> <are> you like? <laughs> yeah. you know you need a win right? Like you can't drop your like franchise player as they say in America like Leao mm. when the game that you need and then the absolute like the humiliation of a step back then when you have to bring him on at half time because it's all gone to shit it just doesn't <laughs> give off the right vibes of like okay i tried that but you're right you are our best yeah. player can you can you save me please like and then leao at that point was unable to do anything i thought the game's gone the team selection really. mm-hmm. was absolutely mad and i think it would just scream to someone who was like i need to just try something new it doesn't matter what it is just something new. I mean, you can sort of understand the logic of it. You know, if you're in a bad run, and there's a saying,
2: if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, that's a definition of insanity. So you can understand the logic of just him waking up one morning, going, right. Okay. I'm going to try something a bit different. But unfortunately it just is backfired massively. And they concede a lot of goals. I think. I mean, I'm not sure how long Mike Mannion's out for, but
0: um, it'd be interesting to see if uh, purely comes through this period. I don't yeah. think he's due back anytime soon. I should really check when he's due, but I think there's no sign of him really I think coming back.
1: He's at least a month away. He's a month Jesus away Christ. is the latest. But as Andy alluded to, 18 goals is how many goals they conceded last season. They're two away from matching that already. Um, is looking desperate and on that point, Tamori, he's been poor this Mm. season as well. Absolutely shocking. He's not been the same Tamori from last season. So Lots got to be done at Milan. Uh, like you predicted, 3pm, might we might see Pioli being sacked. It's not happened just yet, but uh, they need think some drastic changes, I think.
0: This weekend could be the one because yes. they have the Milan derby coming up and they just got spanked 3-0 out in Saudi Arabia. So this is one that he like <laughs> he needs Possibly <laughs> the biggest game of his Milan career so far, this mm-hmm. one, because it could cost him his job. But all of this has left us in, with an incredibly tight second to sixth place. We have Inter second with 40 points, then Lazio in third, Atalanta on fourth, and Milan on fifth, all on 38 points, and Roma in sixth on 37 points. So it is literally anybody's to grab. Whoever can put a run of form together can get themselves that second spot. I think Inter could. Starting to show a little bit of signs, Lautaro getting two... Good to see him kind of back in form, kind of two goals won the game for Inter. Um, anything else to say about the Inter game? I'm not sure, really. Kind of, I watched it, but it was against Clemenceau. They managed to go one nil down, that was impressive.
1: Yeah, I think the only thing you'd say is Inter created lots of chances in this match. Um, but Inter's so unpredictable. Some weeks (laughs) they look superb, next they just throw out against the lights of Empoli, for example, and they are just terrible. Um, but it doesn't help that this Milan Screnia news um has obviously kind of really riled up a bit of tension there um obviously this morning we saw Harry Maguire links with a move there Yes. Also, prior to that, there was Rodrigo Bacal from Udinese, which a lot of Inter Milan fans flipped. Um, If you saw in Twitter, they were like, this is our future. Look at it. Rodrigo it's Bacal, Chernobyl <laughs> just, just, and <laughs> Bastoni. That's what they were saying is our future. Like, but yeah. some were also speculating the likes of Chris Smalling. He's rejected a contract mm-hmm. renewal at Roma. Free transfer in the summer looks
0: ideal for inter's purse strings, right? it so, seems, like that seems of, such an inter signing. Such That's an inter signing, yes. signing. It's, it's done already. It is absolutely <laughs> done already. Uh, but they do get a 2-1 win against Cremonese. As I said, they did manage to go 1-0 down, which is impressive against Kremenese. Um, Elsewhere, I did want to very quickly shout out my guy, Razvan Marin, as he gets a goal again (laughs) this weekend, scoring against Torino. He's absolutely tearing it up for Empoli. You've got to watch this guy. Beautiful player and another Mm -hmm. player who only scores bangers. All of his goals are absolute rockets. So a player to definitely... Definitely keep an eye on. I'll very quickly go through the other results. Um, Lazio Drew one all with Fiorentino, mm. which actually was a very entertaining game. Um, Atalanta beat Sampdoria 2-0. Mm. Luckman is now second in the Capo Cannonieri um charts, which I don't think many people saw coming. Um, and we have Lecce lost to Salernitana 2-1 in the first game of the season. Has my camera gone off? It, yes, has, it has, yes. Oh, oh God, that's the terrible camera. Adam, (laughs) take over while I figure this out.
1: Yes, um, I have to say, I thought there was going to be a goal fest at Atalanta, but um, two goals in the match. Um, Superb goal taken by Adamella Lukman as well. Um, but to their credit, Sampdoria did give a bit of fight, just lacking that quality as per usual. Uh, I lost where you were in terms of the other games, but one that I will call out in terms of goals was Assori, um o- Oslini, even sorry, uh, for Bologna against Spezia. Dragovsky was the only man that was keeping Spezia in this match. Um, Spezia looked like a side that could go down. Do I they're getting dragged? It? They, they get are getting dragged, dragged into, into, into it. it. Yeah, they don't look like they're offering much. So unless they do some transfer business in this window, which is due to finish at uh, 11 o'clock, isn't it? Tomorrow evening. Yeah. That should be fascinating. But I wanted to float out to the two big ones for you, Rory. So uh, it looks like Traore from Sassuolo has been confirmed to Bournemouth. Um, Nicolas wow. Scherrera has just confirmed nice. that 25 million. That's a really good bit of business. That is and a then- very good sign in we, we mock this time. guy, but Krzysztof Piontek is linked with a move to Fiorentina. Believe it or not, Salernitano <laughs> have said they're more than welcome to have him. Believe it or not. Really? Yeah. So, oh, and Andy's on cue, Andy <laughs> drops out. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> so this yeah, show is tight. running smoothly
0: as per <laughs> usual. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, it's seamless. It is seamless. Um, yeah, down at the bottom, we have Verona, as I said, still one all. They're now five points off Spezia, but they've lost two in a row now. A lot of those teams in absolutely terrible form. Mm. So it could be tighter than we thought down there. But, guys, it's time to leave Serie A, and we do need to go to the Premier not Premier League, to the FA Cup, and we are going to go there right after this.
2: Hi, I'm David Wheeler, and you're listening to the Anglo-Italian podcast.
0: It's FA Cup time, and I think we're going to start down at the Amex. I think it was the most entertaining mm. game. There's quite a few, yeah, some entertaining games in this round, but this this refereeing performance really, really, really confused me. It's where I have to start with this game. I'm sorry, okay. but I feel like Liverpool could have had three red cards, yes. um, and none of them... As far as I could see, only, God damn it, only Robertson. I don't know why that keeps <laughs> happening, guys. Only Robertson got a book in. Canate, did he get a yellow for that? He should was, have
1: got a red card, definitely. It was and... true
0: on goal, and it was an yeah. arm across the back of the head. I don't know how that's not a red card. Odd. Then there was the Robertson one. Well, that was the last one, the Robertson one. which yeah, he got a booking one. for. That was a reckless tackle. But the Fabinho one, now I'm not just saying this because of this shirt behind me, but Evan Ferguson is the future of Irish football and I will die for that man to stay fit. What the hell was Fabinho doing there? And what the hell was VAR doing? Fabinho, you could see by his yeah, face, he was clear. ready to walk he knew that i think if that was a premier league match he'd be going i think
1: he knew that was happening and i don't know whether the referee just didn't see it at the right angle but he was he knew what he was doing he knew what he was doing and the stud marks were very evident as well i just don't i don't get it but There was various other refereeing decisions this weekend that were a bit, yeah, contentious, shall we say. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't work it out. I can't can't work it out. But let's
0: talk about the magic of Matoma as well. We do need to talk about Matoma just very quickly. Ferguson walked Mm -hmm. out of the stadium on crutches. So we all really, 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 really hope it's not too serious because that is an absolutely shocking tackle. Um, But, yeah, Matoma... Oh my God, (laughs) this guy, now Brighton, we need to just, I think someone, I saw it, it's such a good tweet, I I wish I could say, credit the guy, he said, Brighton are like the sugar babes, it doesn't matter who, (laughs) how many members you, you replace, they just keep, keep, keep releasing bangers, just keep releasing bangers, and, (laughs) They've they've banned Casado from the training ground until Wednesday because he's meant to be coming to hospital, please. They banned him and no one gives a shit. They just crack on. De Zerbe again takes the game to Liverpool, again outplays them for large parts. And Matoma, I don't know how much this guy's gonna go for. Like, I know I, I'm sorry, Brian mm-hmm. fans, all we do is talk about when your players are gonna move on, but that's very much your model. Yeah, we'll talk about how incredible he is for you. But this guy, he is. The best dribbler in the Premier League, I think, by a distance. Like Peak Salah, I would say was like just a bit more clinical, <laughs> but Matoma, the way he can just go past players and just make give right backs and fullbacks absolute tense. nightmares. It's mm. just incredible. This guy, and what he's doing now. Is adding a cutting edge, mm. and this goal is absolutely beautiful. The way chest, knee, and then volley, right? Yeah, yeah she was pretty much she was juggling it, it. it
1: was like an awesome men goal, if you can mm. imagine it, but at a more skillful level, shall we say? Yeah. Even though yeah, Osamen's awesome yeah. was very skillful in itself, it was more, I think, strength and power of awesome men whereas here. You had know, the composure, he dinks it, that little dink in terms of it, he keeps it on his knee, kind of buys him a bit of a dummy, and he blasts it past Alison Becker into the goal
0: Roof And that, the net. like, the way he keeps it up and then flicks it with yeah. the same foot, it's unbelievable. Like, what? He's expected to flick it up and then come across it, but he just. And it's just in the net. He made Joe Gomez look absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> um, I don't know what it is with Liverpool defenders, but they love turning their back on the ball at the minute. Andy's back, all right, mate. Um, and but yes, Matoma, loving what a guy, unbelievable. Brighton, how far can Derby take them? Like Andy, where do you think? Like in the table, they're absolutely flying. They're up to sixth or seventh. I want to say i have not got a table in front of me. Um, how far can he take them? Could they get a cup run together? Cup
2: one, absolutely. I think um, I think they have shown the season that on their day they could take on absolutely everybody. Anybody they've given Liverpool a right of going over this season already mm. in the in the in the league games they've played, and so in the FA Cup, you know they um, ransacked Manchester United at the start of the season, right at the end of the last one as well. But it feels like Deserve Zerbi's taken them on an extra level, has given them a bit more penetration. Because I think on uh, the Graham Potter, a bit like you see. with at Chelsea, they could be a little bit blunt sometimes, mm-hmm. and there isn't. They don't score enough goals, even even if the approach play is good. And I think he's added a bit more directness and diamondism to it. And obviously, Matoma, I know you're just talking about it as a as a came oh. back on, um, but that 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 touch to take it away, that second touch to take it away from is honestly, one of the best touches I've seen. Yeah, it yeah. was just absolute filth.
0: Uh, um, it was incredible. It was, it, it, it was one of those moments at, at home, it got me off the sofa. I was yeah. like, Oh my god, like, what's I wasn't mean, just done. I'll, I'll, I'll be, I be i would be surprised if Ted Boney's like offering a hundred million pounds for him tomorrow. <laughs> warming, <laughs> yeah. warming up, he's warming up. He's just released another bank account, he's moving things around. We'll see how he does it. Um, but. For Liverpool they're in all sorts of trouble. Um Klopp has confirmed that nobody else is coming in during the transfer window. They're definitely putting all their eggs in the Jude Bellingham in the summer basket. That's a, like That's a bold basket. It is a bold basket when Real yeah. Madrid are interested. Yeah. And
2: also there won't be it's unlikely given current for that Liverpool be in the Champions League next season. Like, it
0: does seem a bit foolish to me. Unless, um, Drew,
2: unless Drew Bellingham's a die-hard Liverpool fan, which I've definitely missed it if he is. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's a bird All I know City is his,
0: dad,
1: his dad's a die-hard Liverpool yeah. fan, but that could be just hearsay and rubbish, basically. But they
2: all seem uh, really confident that they're going to get him, don't they? Like yeah, Most Liverpool yeah, fans I see on Twitter seem to think it's a done deal, and I don't quite I, understand where I it's come from. I can't see that.
0: No, no I, I think... If this transfer window has taught me anything, (laughs) it's to not assume a deal is done until Fabrizio Romano tweets, here we go, because you never, ever, ever know. But I think, look, my dad wanted me to do lots of things. I've done very few things my dad wanted me to do. (laughs) So I'm not sure how much of a bearing he'll have on Jude's career. But I think I honestly think Liverpool could get him. I think there's a reason why they must feel fairly confident if the club is like, right, we're not going to spend now will just get through this season. They must be fairly confident they're getting him. Otherwise, it is idiocy. Um, But they have to get through the rest of the season first. I think... Now, we've talked about their midfield forever and how it's just so creaking and it's easy to walk through now. The defence seems miles off where it ever was. Um, What are the signs of hope? I think Harvey Elliott has been fairly decent this season. I like this Bajatic. Bajetic, he looks pretty decent. Mm -hmm. Um, What can Liverpool kind of focus on for the rest of the season now. I'm gonna to go to you, Adam, because they're out of the FA Cup, out of the Carabao Cup. They've got a pretty rough draw in the Champions League, from what I can remember. I think they've got yeah. Real Madrid, I not Um what can Liverpool be focusing on for the rest of the season now? I think it's consolidation. Really just try and finish
1: as high up the table as they can. Um the problem I find um as Andy alludes to they need more than one player and you kind of putting your basket into Jude Bellingham as being your saviour isn't going to be enough. And much like Darwin Nunes was supposed to be the saviour in terms of revolutionising that kind of front line, I think they got the policy completely wrong once they sold off Sadio Mane instead of maybe Mo Salah, who I don't think has performed as well since that kind of new contract's been given to him. Uh, I, just, I think they need to change it up. I can't see... Klopp kind of diving into that youth academy and bringing up a few of the youngsters to play alongside this kind of 11 at the moment. And I think Jamie Carragher kind of alluded to it is that you've got really the kind of men that you expect to do the running, the likes of Jordan Henderson, uh, Milner, for example, their legs aren't at the same levels anymore. It's all right if you have Bellingham in that midfield, but he's there to kind of go up. He needs to rely on other people to do the job. Now, Henderson might have a season or two left at best, but again, he's going to be exposed when there's, you know, teams with better kind of stamina and levels as well as pace. And then you look at defensively; they've been so poor. I mean, they were so lucky in that Chelsea game that that goal that was ruled off for offside wasn't given against them because mm-hmm. I think on another day that gets given against them, and they struggle for the whole majority
0: of the I match.
2: Really yeah. ropey against Brighton. I think Kadate could have got himself sent yeah. off. Yeah, uh, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, the the, 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 well, the yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. No, the, the the red cards in this game that there should have been was an absolute disgrace. But I think Brighton were able to expose them every single attack, and we've mm. talked about it. It feels like a trend for this season, or maybe we're just noticing it. Like teams that are able to be dangerous when they attack every time they attack, and teams that are just blunt. And Brighton were just dangerous every time they got forward. Liverpool yeah. definitely, definitely didn't feel like that. And yeah, I kind of to go back kind of briefly to what we were saying before about Brighton as well. In the past, we're under Graham Potter, it was like you know, Brighton the XG gods hate them. Like they'd have an XG mm-hmm. of nine and then not score one. But exactly. now it feels like they're outperforming their XG almost, they're just scoring every single time. We said it on Thursday that this was going to be like an upset if you could call it an upset, because I'm mm. not sure if it is. Um, but I am conscious of time. We do need to move on from the Amex, and we need to go all the way down or up even to North Wales as Wrexham goes so, 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 so close. It was the Ryan Reynolds show a bit on BBC, right? (laughs) I think you couldn't get away from the Hollywood story. I quite like him. He's very charming. But um, how did we feel about Wrexham and this game, Andy? Proper FA Cup banger. What is going on with my webcam, right? Proper (laughs) FA Cup classic, right? Jesus. Oh
2: yeah, I mean it was um proper end-to-end, last-minute drama, great goals, it everything that you really want. And I think when when my reynolds and Bob McAlheny bought the club, um this was the kind of game that they were you know banking on. Uh this was the kind of game that they're dreaming on. And I think there seems to be a little bit of um, jealousy or scepticism towards Wrexham at the moment. But, mm. they get, you know, all right, they've obviously had the investment, um, which, you know, clubs at national league level could only dream of. But they get 10,000, they get an average, like, 10,000 gates. They've been nearly, they've gone bust. Nearly got bust on a few occasions at Wrexham I mean, in 2011 to go close to go to administration. So times like this not so long ago for Wrexham were a million, million miles away. And I think they they've earned every minute of it. And I think um you you know, especially if the Sheffield United side trying to push towards the playoff side of things or we'll have designs on doing so. I think um Wrexham have got a very good chance of the way leg. Um and I think you know, obviously with Paul Mullen, um he's he's a striker well above the level that oh, they're yeah. playing at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well above. Yeah, it's
0: insane. The I mean he, there, he really. he'd
2: probably he'd probably look all right at Sheffield playing for Sheffield United. He's that good. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, I think um I think to see the race course, which is one of the oldest oh, international stadiums ground. out there, beautiful and I the fact it could be redeveloping it as well. I think mm-hmm. What makes them different to other club owners is that they've really bought into what Wrexham is about as a city and what the people have gone through and things like that. And I think I remember watching their documentary, and one of the things that they said was, uh, as part of their job as actors, they're storytellers, mm. and that's kind of what they've done because they've got they've got a lot of fans over in America. They've got ESPN broadcasting their games. Mm, they've insane. been able to do. A lot of things that MLS clubs can't do, which is tell a really authentic story going back hundreds of years. And I think that's why people are sort of buying into what Wrexham are doing. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think, and obviously, you know, on the pitch, I think that's um, showing. Um, mm-hmm. I think um, they're a bit unlucky to concede the last minute goal. But, uh, yeah, that's what the FA Cup is about. That's the sort of ties
0: we love to see. mm mm-hmm. It was an incredible. Like, six goals, unbelievable. Really, really enjoyed it. The game did kind of turn on a very big decision that looked mm. a bit mad to me. Um, so, Adam, the the sending off, what could you make of it? I kind of was a little bit confused. If that's a red card, then... Every game is going to be abandoned and forfeited at 3-0, right?
1: So it was um, the centre-back, Ben Toza, who insinuated that Jebison, the Sheffield United player, had kind of tried to go in with the arm as you allude to, uh, there was very much, very little in it because Toza was also giving it, to be fair, from the scenes that I could see anyway, from that clip, from the very short clip. And I see that very much happening in lower leagues anyway. So it it was basically, he was buying that foul. If he'd gone down like a sack of spuds, then potentially you could kind of say, oh, maybe it was clipped or something like that. But he didn't. Um, So yeah, I think it was a bit, Fortunate perhaps for Wrexham mm. to be in a position where they were against ten men, but fair play to Sheffield United. They still kind of stayed to their philosophy, which mm. Paul Heckingbottom has kind of instilled. You can see like the players that they had on show and die who when he came on looks incredible. And you can yeah. see why there's a lot of hype around him at the moment. But also just they seemed to set out because they knew that it was going to be a tough day. And they knew they could be a shock there, you know, they could be the ones that would be kind of deemed as the killers, basically themselves, you know, being on the end of a killing from Wrexham. But, yeah, Wrexham is just that experience. I think there's certain players that haven't been able or haven't been exposed to that kind of level, they've been used to conference level, it has to be said and something about the pitch we have to say the pitch didn't look too great uh on occasions um so I know that's been if you look at the documentary that's something of a bed bug for the likes of mm-hmm. Rob Rob and uh Brian Reynolds so yeah I mean it's interesting but yeah fair play to Rex my I personally I'm not against their kind of spending no. philosophy lots of teams do it Salford City obviously did it beforehand You've got the likes of, say, especially for that title race in the conference as well. So you've got the likes of them, Chesterfield, Notts County in that mix. Notts County desperately needs to go up. They're 18 yeah, million yeah. in depth as well at the moment. So... Huge depths
2: for the a club in a in national,
0: national league. <laughs> yes. I mean, Notts County has
2: been an absolute shambles for years, but yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think, although people write a caution of it, I think with Wrexham, they are a very, very well supported club. Mm-hmm. I they always yourself, have been, yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they've yeah. so you know, they get a lot through their gates, record season ticket sales, and they've got they've you know, with the documentary that they've got with Disney, Plus they, they take they're gonna have a lot more coming in than mm-hmm. the likes of um not County and um, you know in yeah. Salford City they're not a big they're a tiny tiny club yeah, and if, yeah, the, yeah. if the owners you know I like to think they wouldn't given who they are but let's say they did um, decide to walk away and go right the money's not there they would go bust overnight yeah, yeah I think yeah, yeah, that, uh, there's a bit of a difference I think what's Going on that, be uh, sustainable. They're building a stage. They're building, they expanding the stadium to have more capacity, get more mm-hmm. fans. And I think it feels like there's more of a business vision mm-hmm. behind what we're doing as well as the rest of it. Um it does but, it does
0: feel much more sustainable than most kind of like millionaire owners who come in. It does feel like they're taking a sustainable idea to it, which is great to see. I just wish they'd done it at Crew Alexandra rather than Wrexham, it would have been quite <laughs> nice. Um, but we do need to move on from Wrexham. They are gonna have a replay. Um, I did very quickly want to say as well, Palmer came so close to an absolute banger of a goal as it crashed off the crossbar. I really, really, really wanted that to mm. go in. Um, that was a hell of a hit. Um, But we do need to go to uh, the Etihad, and it all fell apart. Ake makes the difference as he strokes it into the far corner. I never thought I'd read that sentence. (laughs) I know. Honestly, I was like, oh, what the? How? Why? Where did this come from? Um, As Man City beat Arsenal's B team 1-0, I was quite happy with that. I thought last year we went away to the Etihad and held five and didn't reply with our first 11. Mm. I thought this performance was... Much better, fine margins. A little bit gutted to be out, but nothing to worry about. The only thing I did want to very quickly say: Sambi Lukonga is not having a very good time at Arsenal. <laughs> it's a it's apparent that he needs what I would do personally is send him down on loan to Burnley. Vincent Company knows him; he plays great football. He's able to coach him, and I would say, look, I have a year on loan in the champions in the championship get a bit of experience, get a coach who's going to get you to believe in yourself again and give you that attention. I feel like very rarely you see the Arsenal players chewing each other out on the field, but Odegaard did turn around to him and be like, you were supposed to be there, and it led to the goal. So I did want to... But I also, on that same hand, want to say Arsenal fans, he's a 21-year-old kid. Some of the shit I've seen sent to him on Twitter is fucking disgusting. Grow up like the guy had a bad day. Mm-hmm. Leave it. It's not going to help him get any better. Um, but for City, they get through... 1-0. We were that close. We were so close. I thought it was a really, as we said on Thursday, it was a proper chess match. It was two teams trying to figure each other out and be like, right, who's going to go first? Who's going to blink? Who's going to blink? And unfortunately, we blinked. Um, but City today, Cancelo, gone. It was a bit of a bombshell. Uh, mm-hmm. What do we make of that? Seems a bit mad. That's all blown up in 48 hours. I did not have that on the bingo
2: card. No. At all. Like, not here, and you, you could tell by the, sort of, the comments and stuff, nobody... Seem to expect that coming. Um, mm. and I mean, I know it's Forbes, it's a world cup, has been a bit ropey, yeah. but even so, um, you'd thought he'd have enough credit in the bank to you know ride out the rough spell. Add to that, there's not really any debt in the fact, is you know, any debt left back, no, uh, because mm. one of them's never coming back ever again. Occupied, let's just say. Yeah, yes, yeah, we'll go yeah. with that. Yeah. You know, the other ones are makeshift doctors, like occasionally Ake, rocks up at left-back every now and then, but he's, he, he's um, the only proper specialist wing-back, which is integral to system, it's equal to Pep's system, so you can only think, uh, there's there's
0: been a forward and out somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I read there's been a bust-up on the training ground because Cancelo didn't start the game against Arsenal and he was arguing about the fact that he didn't start against Arsenal. I saw it on Twitter. I saw an article written about it. Who knows? But we do know that Guardiola does have an issue, a bit of an issue with man management. Like Adam, he's not the first player he's fallen yeah. out with.
1: No, he's fallen out with a number of players. So if you think back to Barcelona days, Latan was a mm-hmm. big name that he fell out with, and he was the man that he bought him in, especially to yeah. kind of beef up that Barcelona team. If you look in terms of obviously Bayern Munich, there was a bit of uncertainty around Lewandowski's future mm-hmm. at the time, despite the fact that he scored. If you remember, he came off the bench one time against Wolfsburg and scored a hat trick within ten minutes. Um and that kind of was kind of calmed itself down after that moment. No, all the brothers, a I don't mind him that much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. There was a lot of um, beef head between them two. And then if you think before even this incident at Man City, Leroy Sane, um, mm-hmm. another player that obviously towards the end of his time, it looks like he was frozen out. Don't know why. Um, maybe there was an attitude aspect again, but we we, we won't know until. An autobiography comes mm. out, I think. That's the only time I ever find out. And that I'd love to uh, read. Definitely. And speaking
0: of which, autobiographies, just read the first page of Zlatan's autobiography and you'll hear exactly he yeah. what he thinks of Pep Guardiola because yeah. <laughs> he goes <laughs> flying into it. But also, Leroy Sarney has a tattoo of himself on his back scoring a goal. Anyone like that, I wouldn't really want anywhere in my club. <laughs> <I think>. uh, <laughs> I'm kind of on, kind of on Pep's side with that one. Uh, but Man City make it through. An interesting interesting kind of psychological test for the fact we've still got to play him two more times and you know first 11 at the emirates i'd, I'd feel fairly confident Touchwood, um andy we are going to go to united casemiro scores two against the royals as you put your old play i'm not going to say legend he's not a united legend is he but your old player paul ince out what did you make of the united performance and casemiro getting two yeah, I think um, I mean ultimately, if we
2: if call, call it for what it is, United should be beating ready every single day of the week, you know, the mid-table of the championship. Uh, but I think um, what we're seeing is that Ten Hag is serious about trying to win something. Um, he's kept he putting a much, much stronger squad in terms of the lineup that I was expecting, to be fair. It was more or less the, the full 11, I think, um, you know, with, the, with a couple of exceptions with Harry Maguire um, about as well. But, um, yeah, Casemiro, I think, at Real Madrid, I think his job was just to get the ball, pass it to Tony Cruz and just let everyone else get on with it, basically. Whereas mm-hmm. United, he's been relied on a little bit more uh, from a creative point of view. And... All right, you have to factor in the, the factors against Reading, but he's done it in the Premier League as well. Um, he's he's very, very good player, breaking between the lines, getting first time passes, you know, that transition from defense into attack, he seemed to manage very, very well. Obviously, we spoke about how much he was missed against um Arsenal. And yeah, he seems to be Seems to have found a little bit of a goal scoring touch uh, in recent weeks as well. Um, I think his first goal was a proper number nine finish that was mm-hmm. the keeper. And then the second goal was a little bit fortunate, but you could tell he's confident because he went and had a go. Um, you know, it was one of those games, though, where I did forget that Andy Cowan exists and I wish he didn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's was, still about. You know, He's still about, but whilst we're on the sub, I mean, whilst we're on the sub, a couple of groups have had the cow. Number one, he's a striker wearing what is it, the fucking number two shirt, which is just frankly abysmal. And Reading as a football club deserved to be dissolved for just doing that. Yeah.
0: It's, it's, it is it, unacceptable. The only it time is.
2: I remember a more ridiculous shirt numbering was uh, back with Chelsea at the centre back on Khalid Billarouz, who wore the number nine. Yeah, he was like a center back for them. He was fucking pony. He was, <laughs> add, he was a just, bad just to, one. He was just, a bad just, one. Just to, just to yeah. add to it, and I thought, you know, or oh, Steve Sidwell wearing a number seven shirt because it's Steve Sidwell. <laughs> just <laughs> a few things like that, you know, you, you, you sort of point out and go, it's wrong. But what was utterly, utterly wrong was um, Andy Carroll going on a rampage unchecked. He eventually got himself sent off. But mm. obviously, uh, Christian Ericsson's picked up a really nasty injury, which bit like with Fabinho's challenge was from behind yeah. um, no attempt to barely any attempt to get the ball if any at all that absolutely crocked him and he mm. see, you know the, the challenge he got sent off for flying into Casemiro and I think he was a benefit of some very lenient refereeing and I think um, I think it frustrates me is that they could spend five or six minutes analysing whether a goal should be a goal because someone's hair is offside yeah. but you know a two footed challenge or a very dangerous challenge straight into the back of somebody, they'll go move on. Yeah. And I think, yeah, wait, on field know, wait, decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, all right. If you, if you give the odds, you know, if you're going to spend, if you're going to put that amount of dedication into trying to disallow a goal, then, you know, at least use VAR for what it, the clear benefit of VAR should be, is if someone commits a dirty foul that the referee's misinterpreted, they should be going to the referee, going, Look, mate, you need to have a look at this because I think yeah, that's yeah. a red. But apparently, Howard Webb, who's sort of in charge of the referees at the moment, is trying to get Vard to stay out of it more. Where
0: <sighs> there's, I, I think, yeah, whatever way he decides to take it, there's going to be negative aspects to it. But this weekend has highlighted the fact that maybe we need to look at tackles like that. Maybe we need to be able to turn yellow cards into red cards because I feel like once a ref gives a yellow they can't change it but if he gives a red they can yeah because they're saying, saying that the referee, rule, right? the referee the referee yeah. has seen it they're giving punishment
2: so yeah. therefore it's not an obvious mistake but so maybe like, yeah Liverpool, maybe there needs to be a change there But with the Liverpool them... with a, you know with a Liverpool game as well like there's a couple of challenges where you're thinking that could be that should be just straight reds yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> without, without a doubt yellows, without yeah. doubt
0: Um, But that is the FA Cup. They're all the games we're kind of talking about today. Um, Elsewhere in the FA Cup, very quickly, let's go through. Um, Bristol City beat West Brom 3-0. Southampton are through 2-1 against Blackpool. Charlie Patino scored for Blackpool. Love that guy. Um, There's a lot of draws. God, there's a lot of replays that teams do not want those replays. Tottenham went 3-0 against Preston. Son absolutely balling out there from what I did see before I turned over. And Stoke City beat Stevenage 3-1 and West Ham have just beaten Derby County 2-0 goals from Jordan Bowen and Mikael Antonio who is apparently bound for Nottingham Forest back to his old boyhood club I would be sad to see him leave West Ham but that would be incredible for the tricky trees I think we now need to go to it's time for the transfer nonsense now what <laughs> is going on in the world of transfers Adam we're going to start with you before I take us to spell because I can't forget about SPAL.
1: We cannot forget about that. So uh, while you've been speaking, I've been just keeping a quick look on Twitter to uh, make sure I was on top of the news. So by the time this goes out as a l- episode tomorrow or today, whenever you're listening to this, then basically you will know these are probably all made permanent signings. But... Um, As we've been speaking on air, Rory Spezia have clearly acted on our advice. They've gone out into the market and have signed a striker by the name of Ante Budimer from Osasuna on loan for the rest of the season. Um, Hakim Zayec is apparently on his way to PSG from Chelsea. That's confirmation there. What (laughs) Few movements at Spurs. So um, the Beatles look like Brian Hill
0: is back at Sevilla permanently. Of course he is. That was from the day on he the turned cards. up in London. From the day <laughs> he turned up in London. I was like, that guy's going back to Seville within three yeah, years. 100%. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> oh, it, it, it was
2: never going to work with him or de Conte.
0: Undoubtedly. <laughs> oh, uh, but as we
1: is. talk about Conte signings, we spoke about it on Thursday. So Pedro Pereira. Who is at Sporting Lisbon has now joined Spurs apparently in the I other thought, direction. I thought they Hector Bellerin it. has just signed for Sporting Lisbon, so he I is you were the replacement. Spurs straight. Now I was have heart <laughs> okay, at least he's gone <laughs> So yeah, you're, you're sorted there. We spoke about offline. Uh, Zaniolo looks like he's confirmed that leads now, so that's a dumb deal, which is incredible. Um, oh. A name from the World Cup, so Sander Asmum who was obviously the Iranian uh, striker. He is joining Marseille from Leverkusen. Wow, that's
0: a good signing. That is a good signing. A few more,
1: and then I'll let you guys then talk about others. So, uh, Tamu Bakayoko, who is at AC Milan, was due to go to Turkey. He turned down the opportunity. He's actually signing for Cremonese on loan, so that's been confirmed. (sighs) Uh Jed I mean, Spence barely played we played a game in
0: 5 years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jed
1: Spence if we talk about Spurs, he is going to join Rennes on loan to the end of the season. And then the big one, Enzo Fernandez, obviously a big one from this window, he's on course to join Chelsea. So they are the current live speculation/signatures slash signatures taking place right is now. Is
0: anyone going to say anything to Todd Bowling? <laughs> <Is> that, <laughs> that's 600 million in a season. That's, that's
1: incredible. Like that's... it's it's more than Without I think getting, Abramovich like, has spent over his time
0: at Chelsea. Like I fucking hated when Abramovich came into Chelsea and they just blew everyone out of the water and just bought everyone who had any sign of promise and just killed the league for years. They're mm. doing it now, but they're doing it badly. They're still fucking eleventh, and they're spending six hundred million pounds. At some point, someone like something has to be done about it. It's fucking annoying. Like any club that's trying to be sensible and trying to be like right, let's build a team and try and like you know. Like, carefully pick our targets, just 200 million. Fuck off, we want him. Like, FIFA have to do something.
1: I think there's a crumb of comfort for me that I saw today, which was brilliant. Imagine Chelsea trying to flog these players off in a year or two's time. (laughs) Because they are, fuck, they are screwed with these high wages on players on long contracts. Like eight I can't contract. wait for a, basically a team of Winston Bogards to just sit there and do nothing just for the duration of, the of their on the eight pitch, 20-year like. contracts or whatever it is. Beautiful.
0: Well, this is kind of like, and to the point where Chelsea aren't going to be in Europe next year, even all these signings aren't going to get them back into Europe. Like, it's going to take Potter trying to manage that team together. Jesus Christ. But... The, is this going to come back to them down the road in like five years' time where they're like, financially, absolutely. we're fucked because we've just not made the money back or we've just absolutely shafted ourselves? It does not feel like there's any plan at all. Like Andy, what do you make of this? It seems so short-sighted, but also they're trying to be long-sighted because it's young players. Like I can't get my head around it. The only sort of logic that I can see, they have signed a lot of predominantly
2: younger players who, in theory could be a staple part of a squad, you know, for four or five, six years. But they're gonna to have to be really, really fucking good to be able to survive in a Chelsea squad for years. Because yeah. otherwise you're gonna end up with a lot of players that in two or three years time, you know, they haven't performed to the level um expected. they you know, the likes of um Madrid and the young lad they bought from PSV, they they they're really gonna to have to um hope that those transfers come <laughs> it's, off
0: it's a it, risky risky business i think, I think
2: like, um i think they've all read i mean some of the signs they've made over the summer haven't quite turned out to be as smart you know with um Raheem sterling i think mm-hmm. for the money that he costs and what he's put out he's not been terrible but for 56 million pounds you probably would maybe be expecting more to mm-hmm. be perfect Bro, he's been one of Chelsea's better players this season. (laughs) (laughs) Kula Barley, they spent a lot of money for somebody who's 31 years old. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe if you got him a couple of seasons ago, it probably would have been an absolute quality signing. But... You know, to lot to for what I saw last season, he didn't have his best season at Napoli no, last no. year, and he certainly hasn't pulled up penny trees. And their best defender's 38. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. um
0: not that know, 38-year-old, yeah. the other 38-year-old. <laughs> you know,
2: you know, Joe Felix, um, that was a strange deal. Um yeah. could still work out very well for them, I think, as much as it's fucking hilarious him getting sent off for his debut. He did look really fucking good. Um, he but did look frightening. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, you're looking at obviously like, you know, go back to the Bellingham conversation we are having earlier, right? If Enzo Fernandes is worth £120 million, then I don't think Liverpool could afford what uh, Dortmund would be saying he's worth. <laughs> yeah. No.
0: No, he's not. Exactly. Fernandez isn't a player that I looked at the Argentina team and went, "This guy is standing out to me." He's not like he was a. I don't know. He was just in the team. It was a good team. He was in the team. He didn't really stand out to me as like, "Oh, this guy's going to have a huge, a huge move in him." This guy's going to be like, and for it to be, he's barely. I don't think he's even hit fifty appearances for Benfica yet. No, he hasn't.
2: Yeah,
0: no. He's not played many games for him, and for them to just be like. Hundred and twenty million. Ruby Costa must be absolutely pissing his sides in in putting Lisbon at the minute, he's going, Oh, there's my bonus sorted for the next twenty years. Like it's I honestly can't believe this deal is going through. And it's absolutely baffling. It's baffling. And it's gonna fuck the market completely. Because as like I just said, every price now is gonna be, yeah, Bellingham now is 250 million. Deal with it because that guy was 120. And this guy's got England caps, he's got he's won a German Cup, he's got over hundred appearances in the Bundesliga. Like when does it stop? Where does that price go? I just think fucking Todd Bowley coming into the Premier League is about the worst thing to happen since Abramovich coming into the Premier League. <laughs> but before I get even angrier, just fucking winding me up, Um, I want to very quickly talk about a nice story in Italy as De Rossi brings back his old teammate. We were talking about him on Thursday, right? Did we talk about Nyangelan on Thursday? We were talking
1: about more De Rossi, but yeah, certainly <clears throat> Nyangelan was a hell of a signing, to be fair.
0: Nainggalan has rocked up. I think it's in Perugia, Spal. I'd have to double-check that. He's rocked up at Spal, and they're getting the old band back together. I cannot (laughs) wait to see him tearing it up in Serie B now. Some of the players in Serie B this year... Um, there's Fabregas down there at Como in case you forget yes. that he's hot owner um, there as well isn't he yeah, Like he's got owner. some sort
2: of project going
0: on yeah they're yeah. about to get relegated it's not going well <laughs> Um they've got Catrone up front remember him from Wolves and yeah, Fiorentina when everyone was excited about him there's quite a few players down there in Serie B now but and back with De Rossi is exactly what you want to see Um just love that story love that story Andy mm. any transfers that we're you're hoping are going to come through you're keeping an eye on For Manchester United, absolutely
2: nothing. Um, I think, but to be fair, that's to be expected. I think you're seeing a lot of people on Twitter going, we need signings, we need signings, we need signings. And maybe, yeah, to an extent we do, but I think there needs to be a little bit of reality put into it. Um, You know, United spent an awful lot of money during the summer. Um, getting players that were very much needed. They weren't, you know, scattergun signings, they were targeted and very much needed, but they came at a cost. Uh, because every player, because when Manchester United become calling, the price goes up. Um, and you pay it, yeah. And we pay it. <laughs> and you pay it. So, and obviously, fast forward to January in a situation where the club's up for sale, so there's absolutely no way that the owners are going to want to spend 30, 40, 50 million pounds on a signing. Um, and I don't, you know, look at the financial results that the club was last aware of. There isn't actually that much money to go around. They've pretty much put the summer expense on the credit cards. And I think anything yeah. that they do have will be aid for the summer, where they've been looking at largely okay. a, a central striker, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or, a, um, at, or and a goalkeeper. But I think. It's trying to predict, I think, trying to predict what Manchester United do in The summer is pointless because we have new owners. It might be a completely different vision with a completely different approach to doing things. And from a personal supporter point of view, I'm actually quite, I'd be quite happy if we did absolutely nothing this window. um, And during the summer, we had a new ownership, new leadership model. That for me is more important than trying to get one or two panic signings through the door. Yeah, um, I think that's
0: absolutely fair. Yeah, while, while the club is for sale, you're not going to sign anyone. That's just that's just yeah. not how things work. <laughs> um, I think unless some, fun- yeah, unless,
2: unless some funky loan deals comes up the arse end of nowhere, it may be as a possibility because of the injury to Telemans. But then I don't see who that figure is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think some people have says, suggested Uri Tielemans, uh, right. but I don't see Leicester mm. letting him go on loan, even if his contract... He's out contract
1: though, right? So yeah. I think I think opportunity.
2: I think yeah. that would be a potential opportunity, but I think they've left it too late in the window if they do want to pursue mm. that, because Leicester would have to get a replacement. Um, so yeah, I think apart from the, some youth players getting some um, loans... Um, I think that'll be it to be honest so I won't I won't be hold
0: I won't be holding fire from that front Nice. Well, I am going to be glued to my phone tomorrow, praying that this Caicedo deal goes comes off because it feels like Arsenal have very much put all their eggs in the Caicedo basket and not got a backup plan. We were, You did tell me about the Jorginho links um, that were before this. I'm not completely against that, but I would prefer Caicedo. I do think 80 million is a bit mental, but hey, if Enzo Fernandez is 120, maybe we should have been playing 300. Before we go, we do need to very quickly say we've been talking about it it and it's finally time for it there is news in the premier league and this just in <laughs> he is back the dice of gondor has officially been blown <laughs> And just in time to take on Arsenal at home. Fantastic. (laughs) Very quickly, how do we feel like Daesh is going to get on at Everton? Do they have a chance now? Um, Adam, I'll go to you first. And Andy.
1: They have a hell of a better chance now that they've got someone that can organise defence and probably get the best out of their players. Don't forget, he has played with Light managed at least Alex McNeil. sounds like on the recent podcast that he's kind of chilled out he's kind of switched off from football as well so he's got a right mindset for this relegation fight um they have a hell of a chance, and a lot, I've seen a lot of Everton fans are speculating that tomorrow you might see like five signings through the door, which would be spectacular because that's probably the amount of signings he's had during his career at Burnley as well. To be fair, if <laughs> he's he does spend it in one more window. than his entire
0: Burnley <laughs> budget in one day, trying to get bloody Salomon Rondon back through the door. But <laughs> 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 well, Andy, how do you see him getting on at Evan? I honestly know we're going to lose at Goodison Park now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're you're going to lose
2: <laughs> a, a sweat. 81 nil to a Tarkowski goal from the corner. He should have defended better. Uh, that's what's going to happen. I can wait. And, I cannot wait. And Donald Pickford's going to have a game of his life. But <laughs> no, I, th- I think um, he's absolutely Everton's best chance of staying up. And I think also, let's, if you're talking worst case scenario, if the financial situation at Everton is bad so they, to the point where they can't get the players in. You know, if he, if it went down, he's the sort of guy that could keep him back up because he's proved yeah. he could do that with Burnley. They yeah. went up, they went down, they went back up again. Um, I feel like with Dice, um, he gets labours a bit of a footballing dinosaur, but there were times where Burnley did play good football. Mm. And to be honest, he was never backed even remotely no. out of Burnley. I mean, they, 29 they did...
0: million a season he had to spend in the Premier League. Yeah, I don't
2: th- I don't think the net spend was even that yeah, it was lower, I think, yeah. I think I remember So I think just before we left, there was about between sort of COVID like 2019 and a couple of years of COVID, I think they spent 12, two million pounds on Jack Stevenson, uh Jack Stevens rather, and did nothing else for about two years. Was it
1: Phil Phil Barsley on a free transfer uh, yeah, as well. That was like, like that. the
2: extent of their window. Um, <laughs> yeah, that that was the kind of funds that he had the vibe, and obviously, the new Bernie owners came in, he obviously didn't see eye to eye with them. Um, I think, and I think things got a bit stale. But mm-hmm. I think he's got is when you listen to him, and like the coach's voice, which is a popular. Really they, they, good. He's really he's, he's, good, a very, he's, a, yeah. he's a very clever man uh mm-hmm. thinks a lot about the game, really good at the man management side of things as well. I remember listening to him a couple of years ago on the high performance podcast, which all right, as cheesy as that is, mm-hmm. uh, with Jake Humphreys on there, he is he does come across really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um and I think I think he'll do a great job. Um I think he'll keep Everton up um so or certainly give him a very good crack of doing mm-hmm. it. Um, And I I think it'd be interesting to see, although Everton, comparatively speaking, if Everton have got no money, he's probably rubbing his hands thinking after that. Here we go.
0: Back again, like a comfy pair of shoes. Yeah, and I think something...
2: Somebody's he's somebody who's going to come in to see Everton's a massive, massive opportunity, mm-hmm. you know. Not like Ancelotti, was just he was just bored looking for something to do for 18 months until Real well, Madrid picked up the phone, he was fucked mm-hmm. off again. You know, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. um, he doesn't operate on vibes like Martinez, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, and, and Silver, where they're just like all pretty attacking play with zero defense. You know, he's exactly what Everton need at this time, and I can't mm-hmm. think of anybody better. To do mm-hmm. that job in the situation that they're in,
0: the only thing that concerns me is that their other option was Bielsa, so they still clearly have no <laughs> idea what they're they. doing. They still go, Okay, we've got two choices Marcello Bielsa, who now wants to coach the under 21s instead of the first <laughs> team, and we've got Sean Dyche. It's the same thing, like it does still concern me that the board have. Imagine no that idea as what a team, though
1: Bielsa is the under 21 manager, and then. <sighs> Die, no, just the
0: first team. <laughs> this would be a hilarious sitcom, <laughs> right? it, yeah. classic odd couple, yeah. Imagine
2: that as a management duo. They did like a dual management job, bit like in the old days. That'd That's be a poor translator a, getting chewed <laughs> out
0: every five minutes. <laughs>
2: who would a translator before? <laughs> <laughs> i mean that would be a netflix documentary that would be incredible ah, we've mentioned bielsa
1: has like little buckets in the office to sit down on as well
2: <laughs> i'm just sure Dyson's walking in the office and keeps tripping over fucking buckets all the time <laughs> <laughs> like, like, move your fucking
0: buckets i still both pay out for six weeks oh so he tripped over a fucking bucket <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, we missed an opportunity but but at least the pilot's written the pilot is written guys can we'll take production. it 50% guys It's yeah. <laughs> in production this year <laughs> Nice, well we are, before we send you off I just did very quickly because we said we're not going to ignore it, this week we do have some Coppa Italia action and it's at relatively normal times um, so <laughs> tomorrow no not tomorrow, Wednesday at 9 o'clock we have Roma taking on Cremonese um, and we also have fiorentina taking on torino at six o'clock and then on thursday we have juventus against lazio that's in the Coppa italia quarterfinals so if you do fancy some calcio it is there and it's not a half past three kickoff on a tuesday so thank you figc you've done us a favor (laughs) guys do we need to say anything before we go
1: i think that's it we also have efl cup action as well so uh, andy will be waiting for that aggregate score to be clawed back by night and for us i'm sure um <laughs> yeah. but that pretty much looks like a straightforward win for man united's path to the uh, final just a question of who they're going to face is it going to be newcastle southampton. or southampton
0: <laughs> we will be talking about it on thursday when all will be decided we will see you on friday as always, don't forget to like and desc- like and subscribe down at the bottom here. Follow us on Twitter at ItalianAngloPod, on Instagram at AngloItalianPod. Follow us on TikTok at AngloItalianPod and see you on Friday. Ciao, ciao. This is going to take ages. I've not even pressed the button yet. There we go. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> Podcast Network.